You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Well, here we are back again. Salutations. Shalom. G'day. How's it going? My name's Chika Eloy, and I'm here with my co-host, Jay Teresi. What's up, Jay? Chika, good morning. We have been circled up for a good week now, Jay, saying we've got to get time in the books. We, we've got to launch another episode. So I'm glad to be back here on the podcast with you. And um, today we are going to be talking about an interesting topic. But Jay, before we jump in, um, as your host, you being the co-host, let's, uh, let's say a quick prayer just to get in the space so that we're moving in the right direction. Lord, I ask that uh, as, as we spend time together today, whether we're just listening in the car, sitting on the couch, uh, consuming when we have time, Lord, I ask that as the host, Jay and I can be out of the way. And uh, and obviously your word, Lord, is truth. And we use that truth to bring great topics to light, to hopefully inspire men and call men to move in the right direction. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Jay... I know on my heart, we've been really thinking through and, and you and I have been having conversations about this idea of a male versus a man versus a biblical man. What are you thinking? There's a lot to unpack there. There's always been this inherent tension between how the world defines manhood and then a biblical man in the Christian era after Jesus. And now there's, there's this third piece where what does it actually mean to be male? in our culture here in the United States and in lots of parts of the Western world, now we're even a little bit confused on how we define gender. So what, what even is male? And then if you are identifying as a male, what is manhood? And if you're a Christian, well, what is biblical manhood? And there's a pretty big gap between all of those things. And that creates a lot of tension as we're wandering around and talking to each other and interacting. What, what, what am I? How do I think about myself? How do I define what I believe in? And then how do I articulate that to the world? Man, you just, and, 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 and I forgot to say this at the start, but, uh, you know, if, if you're listening right now and you're saying, who are these, you know, gentlemen, Jay and Chica, and what, what authority do they have to speak into this topic? Well, we're going to spend time at the end of the, today's podcast talking about who we are, but we don't want to bore you up front. Um, but Jay, when you said gender, I'm like, oh my goodness, because that is the hottest topic in corporate America, at least right now, let alone around the world the questioning of, of what truly is a man, a male in today's society. Let's go back to the start. Like, what did God call us to be What in, in Genesis? I mean, I know that when it comes to gender, it was, there was a lot of, hey, there is man, there is woman, but there is a lot of distinction called between those two roles. And I think where, where I'm going with this, with that question, Jay, is I know a lot of men in my life, and I'm sure you do in, in yours as well as the listeners, where we have um, a lot of men that are male and that can shave, but are not the biblical man that we are being called to be. That's a plague on our nation these days, actually, right? Is uh, a lot of boys masquerading as men. But, you know, I was having this great discussion with a good friend of mine uh, just this week, and he, he's a pastor and a theologian. And we were talking about this shift in American culture. Which, you know, in American culture, Christianity, and for, for a lot of the men listening to this podcast, you're Christian men. That's why you're here. And there may be some secular men here. Welcome. We're glad you're here listening to this conversation. You know, he was saying, this is going to be a new era for Christians in general in the United States 
you know, over the next 10, 20 years, however long, where we're actually in the minority, our beliefs are not accepted. And what's that going to look like? Are we going to stand on what the Bible has to say about things, loving the world, but holding firm to what we believe as Christians? Or are we going to conform to what culture says? Are we going to redefine? And that's a pretty big tension in Christianity. Well, maybe we can just, you know, kind of tweak this here and tweak that there as we try to fit in. But the, mm. the Bible, to your, to your point, is pretty clear, Chica. Romans 12, 2 says, hey, listen, job number one, if you're a believer, don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Because if you do, you won't be able to discern God's will for your life, right? That you have to transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. And so when you think about going back to the beginning, as a Christian, when you claim Christ, you claim a set of beliefs, a worldview, actually. It's really not a religion. Christianity is really not a religion. It's a lifestyle. Mm. It's a worldview. And you claim some beliefs when you follow Christ. And one of those is, I believe what the Bible has to say, what God has to say, about men, about women, about how I should live my life. And when you go back to the beginning, God says very clearly in Genesis, male and female, he created them distinctly different, equal, but different. Ah, and right there, right there. Let, let's pause just for a second and sit in this. You just said equal, but different. And if we come back to where we're fighting culture right now, it's a little bit different, right? There's all this injustice. It is not equal. There is inequality. Yet you just brought that back to Genesis, and I believe it was when in Genesis 2 when God was speaking to Adam, right, and and was saying, yes, you are the man, com commanding him to cultivate, commanding him to go and keep God, commanding him to be the man, and then the fall happens, right? So it's in, in order, if you kind of visually look at it, it was God, Adam, Eve, then the serpent took over, and then it was Eve, Adam again. So this, this distinction of God calling man to be a man is different than unequal women. You're exactly right, Chica. And, and, and this is where it gets sort of interesting. So God is spirit, right? God the Father, we call him God the Father. He is spirit, both male and female. He embodies all of what we are. And the Bible says we're made in his image. The man and the woman is made in his image. And so it's important to start there and just go, okay, well, what, what does that mean? And how do we think about that? And then in the Christian worldview, we think about the world we live in and we say, hey, we live in a fallen and broken world. And there's all kinds of podcasts we'll have about the nature of evil and why does bad things happen to good people? And, you know, Christianity actually answers that question. And in my mind, answers it more effectively than any world views. Part of the reason I'm a believer and a follower of Christ is I actually think Christianity answers the hard questions that people are seeking out. And we can talk about that later. But there's this really interesting point in the very beginning. How did we get fallen and broken? And actually, the Bible says, well, it's man's fault because God creates man first, right, out of the dust of the ground. And he has to work hard and he has some specific jobs. God creates us equal, but he gives us different jobs. We're, we're different men and women. And one of one of the jobs of the man is, is a spiritual leader and protector. And so Dr. Larry Crabb in his book, Men of Courage, he has this great analogy that says a lot of people blame, blame Eve for the fall, right? The serpent deceives her and she eats the apple. So if you're a Christian, you know, you believe in this. I know a lot of people want to argue, well, that's allegory and myth. Bible-believing Christians actually think something happened. We think there was a real Adam and a real Eve, and something really happened way back in our past that caused the world to break. And what was it? Yes, the serpent shows up in, in this beautiful setting and, and deceives Eve and gets her to eat you know, from the tree of knowledge. But, but the, the interesting thing is Adam is standing right there. And Dr. Larry Crabb <laughs> points this out. It's not like Eve got deceived and gave some fruit to her husband who was off you know, tilling Killing the so Adam fails twice actually in this moment. First, he doesn't stop Eve from eating the fruit, 
and doesn't step in between her and the serpent, failure number one. And then failure number two is there's this moment in time where Eve eats and is fallen, but Adam is still not fallen. Creation is not fallen. And he could choose not to fall, but he takes the bite and he chooses with Eve. Now, you could argue, well, that you know he sacrificed himself to stay with his wife. That's an interesting point of view, too. But he disobeys God, so he falls twice, and then all all manhood suffers. Now, I just want to pause there for a second, Chica, because that has always really frustrated me. Because one of the things I really struggled with for a lot of my adult believing life was, but I didn't do anything. Why did I have to be born under sin? It wasn't my fault what Adam did. Mm. Like, what, what? And, and I know a lot of people struggle with that. Even if you're a Bible-believing Christian, somewhere in your mind, if you haven't reconciled this, you may think to yourself, this still seems kind of unfair. Why did God set it up like this? This is like kind of ridiculous. But I, had, I heard this incredible description where somebody said, listen, all of us are born under authorities of some kind. And so whatever governmental system you're born into or family you're born into, like you are born under the weight of other people's decisions. Whether you like that or not, it's still a reality. And, and men and women are created different. God creates Adam and God says, Adam is in charge. He is the authority over the world, right? He's naming animals. He's setting up everything. So when he falls in God's sort of, hierarchy of how things work john elder Dolly says is the way things work whether you like it or not in this world in this universe is the way things work and we are under god adam's authority right so when he falls all mankind falls we're all born with our back to god that's the best way i've heard it said while born with our back to god but then what's amazing is god in his mercy creates this system right chica where we can get redeemed and choose him and then someday he's going to redeem it all and that that was how i finally reconciled that but if you think about biblical manhood you first got to start with how did god define us how did we get broken? And out of that brokenness, the world got a whole new definition for manhood that has been plaguing us for centuries. Wow. That was such a good synopsis. Um, the, the definition of a biblical man, you know, when, when you think of Adam now, <laughs> and then I think of what I saw on, on TV last night, the newest superhero movie coming out. As you were speaking, I'm like, wow, if Adam was a superhero, Right? Is he Captain? Is he Iron Man? Is he like? Is he? Is he the Rock now with his new DC comic? You know, what? Talk, talk me through like your your distinctions when it comes to how we're we're thinking through man here. We've got to go and be Superman. Every man needs to be Superman. Yeah, at the same time, every man is Homer Simpson. I'm so confused. No wonder why we're having gender confusion. Right. I well, first of all, I love the Rock. So I, I definitely, if I get to be a superhero, whatever the Rock is, I want to be that. High <laughs> five! High five! He, he's he, he's amazing. No, I think you're touching on a really important thing, Chica, which is the world has defined manhood a certain way, and in throughout history, even in the secular world, there's been a couple of definitions of bad man and a good man. And for a lot of history, like it was just about who was the domineering man. Like if you go back to before Christ, right, BC. Everybody's trying to take over the world. And so a man is is powerful. He's virile. He's a lot of women. He's in control. He has all his authority. He's a big old warrior. He can kill people. But there's not a lot of discussion about character in that, right? He who has the most toys wins. He who has the most power is the man. Yeah. And everybody else is an also ran. And then, you know, in the post-Christian era, the Bible has so much to say about manhood, even previous to Christ coming and then post-Christ coming. And you see, even in the secular world, the idea of knights or superheroes, you know, these aren't Christian men professing Christ, but they carry all these characteristics we associate with Jesus, which we call good in the secular world, noble and brave and honorable. And there's this incredible tension. But even in, 
with superhero movies, one of the things that always bothers me, especially in the modern day superhero movies, is how they also have to be so flawed that they're narcissistic and kind of despondent. And it's almost like we can't accept the notion of a healthy man, right? Who doesn't have some crazy inner depression, inner turmoil, inner struggle. We all have an inner struggle. But if you look at the definition of a biblical man, this is one who has surrendered his life completely to Christ. And so like the superhero movies, what's interesting about them is while they portray men who are good and they're going to fight for good and this and that, outside of some of the original classics, like even Superman, they're not surrendered. Because the idea of a surrendered man starts to feel a little bit weak, right? You could, but the biblical man is one who says, actually, and we talked about this in our first episode, my life doesn't even count. I don't even exist anymore. I exist only to reflect Christ and embody his characteristics and how I approach the world. Now, I would just say to you, there's an interesting tension here, I think, for all boys naturally. If you watch a boy and a girl play, you can go into the science of this, and she can, you know a lot more about this than I do. But like inherently, if you put a boy alone in a room, a little boy, he's going to start finding things and making weapons out of them. The average little boy, like most little boys. Right. That's it's, what's going to happen. It's what they do, right? They do. It's they what do, they do. They do. Now, the, the, now, I would tell you as a believing Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, that's because the, the Bible says that the Lord is a warrior and the Lord is his name. Like the boy embodies the warrior characteristics of God. So do women in a lot of ways. But the boy is absolutely designed. Right when and again to reference John Eldridge, but he says in one of his books, when little boys are playing with guns, they're not necessarily playing; they're practicing for what's going to come in life. Right, and so you know, I was talking with my sons last night. We were in the hot tub hanging out, and it was a great moment of like man conversation. But they started talking about fighting, and you know, it was an interesting moment as a Christian dad because they were like, "Have you ever been in a fight, Dad?" You know, my sons have never been in fights, and they were like, "Well, if I got in a fight, I would do this, and I'd punch the guy right in the throat," and you know. I was having this discussion with them around that's, you know, I could see in them their need to be validated by me and their need to kind of talk about, am I strong? Am I powerful? And then I had to introduce this, but as a Christian, like how should you approach, you know, a conflict like that? And, and that is inherently less exciting to talk about as a man, right? Like, Oh, cause it feels soft. Does that make sense? And so, you know, how do we balance the world views a man in one way is very powerful, but then you brought in the Homer Simpson analogy, which is like, but the world also right now, currently in our culture wants to right. like, wants to like put a man down and be like, he's not good. He's toxic. He's an idiot. He needs help. Um, he needs help to do anything. He can't even tie his shoes. He's a moron. And I think we're all existing in that tension right now. Well, am I strong and powerful and brave and know what to do? Or am I a moron who can't tie my sheets and get out of my parents' basement? Like, which is it? And, 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 and what am I supposed to do with that as a man? One of the key phrases I'll always remember you telling me at one of the breakfasts we had was the um, the story of King David talking to Solomon. Um, and I think that the reference for it is is in Kings, where he says, you know, be strong and act like a man. Be strong and act like a man. So as, as we close out this episode, Jay, I think that what you just said there is, is something that we're going to jump straight into with the next podcast and unpack is is the idea of how culture is putting down men here and confusing us uh, through these characters, whereas what are we actually called to do? You know, I think one of the challenges is we've lost the art of initiation. So could you think of anything worse to say to a boy who's been untrained than be a man? A Solomon, we assume, right, through the life of David, <laughs> right. has been initiated, right? But, but we can make the assumption that Solomon has been initiated. So when mm -hmm. King David says to him, play the man, right? 
we can make the assumption that Solomon has been trained as a warrior. He's been trained as a poet and a scholar and all those things. But could you imagine how many boys have been told today to be a man, but never been initiated, never been trained? Oh, my gosh. What do I do with that? Hey, I'll tell you what a lot of boys do with it. They pick up a gun or they abuse women or they fill in the blank. And so I think part of what we've got to talk about is what is the responsibility of Christian men, of biblical men, to initiating the next generation of men so they know what to do? Because what we have is several generations of men rolling around in the United States and in a lot of the Western world that are completely and totally uninitiated, Chica, right? So when you say to them, be a man, you've also left it to them to define that. And that, I think, is where you get all of this toxic masculinity and all this pushback. Like, And we talked about it on our last podcast. Hey, a lot of that's right. When culture says, hey, there's a lot of men doing bad things, like that's right. And it's not because they're Homer Simpson. It's because they've been told to define manhood for themselves. And nobody's mm-hmm. done it for them. And when you leave a man to his, his base instincts, well, what do you think you're going to get? We are designed to be warriors and domineering, and a man has got to be cultured and initiated and trained to learn how to use those impulses correctly. Let's pause it right there, Jay, uh, because we are at time for this week, and and I can't wait to pick that up. Rites of passage, this distinction again, we're going to just continue to dig, dig deep. So thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week. But before we leave, I did promise our listeners that we give kind of a 30-second overview as to who Chica is, who Jay is. So listeners, if you even care, you can pause and jump now. But my name's Chica Eloy. I was born and raised in Australia, currently live in the United States as an American-Australian. And um, and and what I do for a living is I work in corporate America um, slash the world as a, a people and culture guy, a person that's involved with diversity and inclusion, a person that's involved with engagement for a big company. Um, but also, I'm an avid teacher. In fact, and Jay has been alongside me the whole way here over the last year of the pandemic. I've taught over 10,000 kids online across the world in different secular topics, um, but also I'm a, a very strong believer in it and attend church every weekend. So, Jay, what about you? And Chica's, Chica's, Chica's great uh, classes has been teaching some of the most popular ones on responsibility and character. So I think we'll have tons of great character discussion. Chica has so much to share with us about that. Jay Teresi, longtime friend of Chica, longtime follower of Jesus. Longtime observer of manhood, wanting to learn a lot more about manhood. So I also work in the corporate world like Chica, and and we've we've gotten to do a lot of things there. And those things have helped and given us the opportunity to think deeply about character and about responsibility and about manhood. And so very excited to have these conversations. Our desire for, for all of our listeners is just to just to let you in on our conversation, whether one person listens or a hundred of how we think and try to unpack manhood, because the Bible says iron sharpens iron. The only way we can get better at this, the only way we can become biblical men is by spending time with other men, really struggling to reach for that ring of biblical manhood. You've got to unpack it. We have to we have to sharpen each other. That's what we want. We want a place where men can come and learn what is it, what does it look like to talk about manhood, to learn to rely on other men, to learn to be open with other men, and to understand what Jesus calls us to He created us uniquely as men. What does that mean? He did it for a reason. Thank you, Jay. We will pick this up next week. Talk to you soon.